okay, here's what we're going to do. Are you ready for this? It's going to be one take. For the rest of the show. Yep. <laughs> Challenge accepted? Yes or no? <laughs> All right. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Hang on. I got to stop laughing. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. This ain't, okay. Finish. This ain't going to work. <laughs> One take. You ready? No, 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 no. Welcome to another episode of Dive in Justice, the podcast that explores building ideal communities with our less than ideal selves. I am Dom Jackson. I'm Shandine Garcia, and we are really excited to have you with us today. Today we're going to do our normal check-ins, and you're going to hear a little bit of commentary on what's going on in Alabama, and a little bit about some identity politics shit I'm trying to navigate these days. And then we want to go and do a little bit of a flashback and talk about the season topics that we've already covered, and then flash forward about what you can expect for the second half of the season. Stay tuned. Welcome back. Is this the part where we actually confess to our listeners that we couldn't get our shit together and that's why we missed a couple episodes? Sure. Or do we lie? Or we just make some shit up? Yeah, no, we can we can confess. Um, we both got busy. People were moving. People were on vacations. And we didn't communicate any of that to our listeners. <laughs> we just left. <laughs> <laughs> we love you. Does it count? Do we get points? Does it, any points knowing that we oh, did care? Oh, man. Yeah, no, we're the worst. Um, hopefully they forgive us. Um, I thought we were going to record some like, Hey, sorry. Like a little three minute one. I was. And then I decided not to. (laughs) Simple as that. (laughs) Really appreciate the window into your decision making process. Yeah. yeah, No, I was like, that's pretty good. I should do that. Mm, Never mind. (laughs) Just going to go out to eat. (laughs) Just gonna take a fat edible, order some yeah, burgers exactly. and fries, exactly. chase it with a whiskey and veg on Netflix, and, and watch this Netflix until it watches me. Oh man, nah. Um, I appreciate those who stuck with us, those who didn't call and harass us. Um, hopefully, we're a little better organized for the season ahead. How are you? Let's check in. No, you first. Let's check in. I checked in with you briefly last week. Um, curious about your take on the old Alabama dock incident. (laughs) (laughs) I think our, I think our listeners might like to hear. Oh shit. The Montgomery Molly Wap. That shit was great. Um, no, I think there's, um, there's a significance to a moment where social media captures um, a series of events (laughs) that underscore everything that America says about who black folks are, who white folks are, and turns it on its head. It is not lost on me that this incident, this event, this burgeoning holiday <laughs> what what some have referred to as uh fades given we all know what has happened historically when uh white folks decide to play you know judge jury executioner on black and brown bodies and in this particular instance um the empowerment that they 
often put on display in the, when these kind of videos go out or if you study history in any way. Um, that sense of entitlement and empowerment to attack a black body for doing someone for doing their job and asking them to do what anyone in that position would have asked of them, right? In the sense that it's okay to uh, physically accost that person based on that. Um, like, it just embodies so much history in that moment when they go after him, you know? And so it starts off, the video, in some ways, you you feel like you're watching something start off with the same old shit, the same old story. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden, um, that story is is turned around. Because Aquaman shows up, right? <laughs> 16-year-old boy stroking across the river, right? Um, and then the rest of you know, as has been displayed so many uh, times on social media, it is reminiscent of, like, something out of the Avengers in the sense that you have all of these people show up that weren't there, you know? It's like Endgame with Thanos and shit avenging not just what's going on in this moment but this moment stands for all you know last time stands for all kind of vibe no and we know it's not the last time but it's one of those rare moments where it gets captured and so it becomes a focal point to speak to a larger issue like i've seen t-shirts now for years saying things like you know i'm not my grandfather Right. This idea that you have a new population of black people who are not going to simply acquiesce to white mm-hmm. violence. And let's be clear to our audience that acquiescing to white violence is about survival, is not about mm-hmm. um it's not a character flaw. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The times have demanded of various populations at various times to say enough is enough. This isn't the first time that black folks have collectively had a conversation about standing up. You know, you saw this during different movements. You saw it in the Harlem Renaissance. With the whole notion of the new Negro, you know, and all of course. Shit. Um, and the reason we haven't seen pieces of this this vividly is because of technology. Like that's the contemporary part. That's the part right. that makes it so celebratory. Is that technology caught up with us? Yeah. And so something that had always been there is able to be captured and shared instantaneously globally in a way that you could only read about before, you know? Uh And it's not just a way for us to pass it around and celebrate what we already knew. Let's be clear. It's a warning shot. Like, hey, I know you saw the T-shirt that said I'm not my grandfather, but now you can look at this video and see what I mean by that. I will fuck you up. You know what I mean? You come for me, you're going to catch these hands. Um, collectively. And, and coll- right, collectively, that's the part. And it's not just my hands you're going to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you know, one of the, my favorite parts about the video was, like, the way gender was parsed out for a while. Mm-hmm. Like, eventually, mm-hmm. Uncle came with the folded chair for everybody. He didn't give a fuck about gender. By the end of that video, men, women alike. If a kid had been there, the kid probably would have caught one. They actually, I mean, the the rage gets so serious, you can't even see gender. You can't even see age. You can't even see, right? So you're just swinging. You're just swinging, right? But initially, once that white woman, that 21-year-old, decided to jump in there and throw a couple kicks, it wasn't men fucking her up. It was a black woman caught a hold of her and beat the blood and congestion out of her. Yep. You know? And even in our rage, 
you still don't see the sort of mob violence that they accuse us of while simultaneously mm-hmm. committing all the time. Had that been reversed, mm-hmm. somebody to die. Immediately. Let's be clear. Yep. Um, and then when the cops do show up, most of them are black, which had me cracking up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> how often do you get to see that shit? Huh? So they show up and they like just kind of watch it for a while. Like, oh, this shit crazy. But when Unk get to hitting everybody with a chair, then they have to jump in, right? But initially, they just kind of like, oh, shit. There's just something about this moment that is asking us to not only bear witness, but to make meaning and to tell a larger story. And I see us on social media taking full advantage of it, (laughs) right? I've seen recreations. I've seen all kinds of shit, right? Yeah. I I think the thing that I find most poignant about the contemporary context of this isn't where you're going. You're talking about the creativity and the comparisons through a collective um, collective cultural icons, themes, mm-hmm. easily accessible connectors for to, to, to make meaning. And all that's great. The thing that I appreciate about this that I don't really in general appreciate in like for almost anything is you don't have, because of, because of the technology and the media and and what everyone has and access, the word is access that I'm looking for. I don't have to wait to hear smart, disciplined, nuanced critique Mm -hmm. the way you would have had to wait before because there's privilege and access for who gets a letter to the editor published or who gets to be in the magazine that you would have to wait a month to get in your, you know, mailbox, Mm -hmm. or you would have to be some sort of privileged professor to be published somewhere to make a comment on what's happened. And that's decades after the incident. Mm -hmm. So what I really appreciated is because is the, the fact that, you know, several people sent me some TikToks or whatever that I could sort of chase, chase them, read them, think about them, read the immediate blogs that were out there, read the immediate. And then I had like 20 to 30 data points to listen to multiple perspectives to then create my own analysis and meaning Mm -hmm. and be able to talk to my children and my beloveds about it and ask both informed and I'm not uninformed, but more like, I have a question about this because this one person said this. I have a thought about this because I, you know, there was a, a meme that, and I, can you help me understand that the instant, instantaneity, that's not a word, instantness. I don't know. What's what's the fuck is the word? Instantaneousness. I guess instantaneousness of it. That's a weird word. Anyway, the immediacy of it. (laughs) Let's just, let's just go for a different word. Yeah, let's porky pig this motherfucker. For real. <laughs> is um so, was so fucking powerful. Mm-hmm. Was so powerful. And the other thing that I did appreciate about the multiple data points to think about how to ana- analyze this mm-hmm. is um I felt NPR's reporting of it was pretty myopic. Was what? Pretty myopic. Was mm. very um when when I used to teach literature in high school, I would tell the students, I don't want a flat character. And I put my hands like this, one on top of mm-hmm. the other. And then I'd pull my hands into like a round circle. I want a round character. Mm-hmm. Round that character out. Almost so that like every time you turn the ball of the character, I'll see and learn a new thing about it. I don't want a flat character. Mm-hmm. And I felt like NPR's recording was giving me a flat analysis, which mm-hmm. again – why I appreciated all the other data points. And the reason I don't appreciate that in general is because the flood of all the data points on other incidents, I don't know, like you have to figure out what's real and what's not, like what's fact and what are people making up? What, and I'm not saying this wasn't true here, but the analysis was so, was so fucking immediate on 
chickens coming home to roost and what do you think this means in our bodies and about motherfucking time that it it had a level of raw real that I haven't seen in a long time come out of social media. So I didn't duck away from it the way I do a ton when an incident happens and then you see the fucking your inbox flooded with just bullshit. It didn't feel like bullshit what flooded my inbox. So that's just my tiny comment. But I do have a question for you. And I don't, I think it's a little bit of a dumb question. And so feel free to delete this or don't um, answer it. I'm, I'm struggling to say it well. So this is me in real time processing out this question. When someone, so as you know, my father died, you know, recently. And subsequent deaths from that, whether I'm close to it or not, carry the shades of the most re- recent grief right before it, or that that that's that's not hard to come right back into your psyche. So my um, dear sweet Auntie Emma crossed over two weeks ago, went to a funeral, and I was feeling all of the previous shades because she's close just, you know, my dad's side of the family, shades of grief of my father. And I knew it. I knew to expect it. I knew how to process it. The, and I don't want to put words in your mouth because I don't want to say like joy sounds mean, but the joy you might have felt or the thing that you felt in reaction to watching, I'm not my fucking grandfather, right? In action. What shades does it carry? Does it carry shades of other joy that you never got to feel and have or, or, or not joy? What I'm looking for, not like to take that motherfucker, like whatever that, whatever that word is, the like, Oh fucking yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, does it carry shades of times that you wish you could, you, it could have been and didn't or just, or, and, or just potential for, oh, I have access to this feeling now and I'm going to be cheering on and fighting for all subsequent actions like that. And where in your body does it sit as you're metabolizing this? Mm -hmm. While I don't feel like I've clearly sussed out all of the emotional content uh, from watching something like that, I think a few things are clear, both for me as an individual consuming that but also I see it reflected a lot in social media and not that we're a monolith not that everyone's having the same response and reaction but some common themes are definitely fucking joy let's be clear uh and cathartic it's a cathartic uh moment that moment stands for every other moment when faced with a type of violence I chose to not respond in kind every time I felt like I had to shut my mouth every time I felt like I had to metaphorically turn the other cheek um, I've only been met with racialized violence of that kind once and I was in high school and I met violence with violence, feel great about it, no regrets. But since then, in my professional world, there's never been, you know, a white colleague hasn't come for me with a, you know, with violence in a sense of physicality. But the you get the microaggressions, you get the macroaggressions, you get all the bullshit. And for the sake of Want to keep you everything we've talked about this season, right? For the sake of wanting to maintain, and you get it from your personal encounters, but you also get it from headlines. Yep. You know, like there are moments I'm watching that video and I can feel myself responding similarly to the way I used to when I would watch wrestling as a kid, or similar to how I might respond now if I'm watching a really good action sequence. And there's those twitches, those involuntary mm-hmm. muscle mm-hmm. spasms, like get, him, like, get, get that him, motherfucker, like, <laughs> right? All through my uppercut, body. uppercut. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> dig, dig. Um, it's all in my body, and 
um, there's a smile plastered to my face or other visceral kind of facial expression, like, ooh, shit, you know. <laughs> um, there's so much in my body that, that feels that sort of, I get to live through them in that yeah. moment, right? Um, <clears throat> and so I can't speak for anyone else, but for me, it lives in my mind. It brings up a lot to analyze and think about. But it lives in my body. And a lot of the anger that I've talked about this season as well finds a place in consuming a video like that. Some of that anger finds a place to kind of leak out. Um, and so I'm reminded of Franz Fanon. Um who talks about the catharsis of violence. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, wretched of the earth. Um, he talks a lot about the usefulness of violence. And um, we all know, if we, if we pay attention socially, we can condemn every historical riot we've ever seen but try passing real policy change in this country without a riot happening first and see where you get I am the danger I am the boogeyman I am a stranger fear is a miracle I am the pain of breaking the spirit you never been tamed let's go there is no savior just me and you the back you up later this world is so evil it's changing my nature still I'm so appalled you thought I couldn't get at you it's looking bleak there's blood in the streets so anyone who would claim that violence has no place that person has no understanding of what it means to live in this country at this time um, and so, yeah, it, like this moment brings up so many layers, you know, um, for for consideration. It's interesting that you say that. I've been thinking about Rush to the Earth for about four days straight. I don't know what came into mm. like. I watched one of the you know one of the videos, and I was like, "Holy shit! Why is friends in my head?" Mm. And I didn't mm-hmm. draw the connections till just now, but it's been in my head. I have one. Um, commentary that not a commentary one thing i'm angry about is how many people both bipoc and not when this comes up have felt the need to say not all white people are bad Mm, i haven't encountered that that yet i have and it's bugging the shit out of me because one don't fucking talk to me as though I don't, as though I think that all white people are fucking bad. Like, what are you, stupid? Like, I get white, there's a difference between whiteness and white people, you dumb fuck. And then I don't want to waste my energy actually having to talk about it. You're not my client. You're someone in a grocery store or you're someone who, whatever. Like, I, so, um, that's, that has been bugging me lately. And, and the need for people to talk or to really tout dude who came up and tried to help the, mm-hmm. the yeah, mm-hmm. I forget his name, but you know, couldn't quite cause you know, didn't know what he was doing, mm-hmm. but people talking about, Oh, I just love that moment. I just love that mall. You know what? <laughs> Let me talk to you about the moment I love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 and let's analyze why you love that one. And why I love this other one. Uh-huh. Yeah. Man, now I, I have not been able to encounter that. Well, count yourself fucking lucky, man. Oh, I'm a little jealous. Because <laughs> you were ready. You're ready to go for I'm it. I'm ready You're for ready that to conversation. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt. Yeah, but that's, yeah, that's what's up with me. Um, and, and I appreciate the, the follow-up questions. Talk to me about you. I am 
as most of y'all know, moving into a new home and unpacking lots of stuff. And when I'm unpacking lots of stuff or cleaning lots of stuff or assembling furniture, or doing all the, the damn things, um, my brain is spinning on like the latest annoying thing or the late, because I'm not distracted by work. I'm not, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Doing dishes does not take a lot of brain energy. Unpacking boxes does not take a lot. So my brain is flooded with other things. And I'm back home in New Mexico and I was not naive to think that there wouldn't, that I wouldn't be in, in encountering, uh, pretty shitty politics in Indian country out here. I'm not stupid. I knew, I know the identity politics. I lived in Oregon for 20 years with the tribal nations there, beautiful, amazing humans and mired in pretty toxic, um, tribal politics. And the same is true here. And, um, doesn't matter that we've got more, uh, nations here. It's, it's like the politics, not only internal, um, are pretty toxic, but external too. And it's hard to watch. And what I'm talking about specifically is the the pueblos out here are, are starting to open back up um, to from COVID open to the public. Some for some events, and some to just open for tribal members. And therein lies the rub. Tribal membership out in a lot of these locations is predicated on pretty toxic, oppressive um, requirements that were put on us. When we were, you know, or well, well, the 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 attempt to colonize us was generated, as, you know, whatever, all the way through today. And so, for folks who don't know what I'm talking about, research, you know, blood quantum politics in Indian country, and it has to do with being able to prove how much Indian you are, um, through bloodlines and family lines, not through cultural context, and no also discussion about race as a social construct. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to get into like citizenship and race in Indian country, because that's a whole other fucking conversation. My point is, there are people who are Pueblo and are from a community who cannot prove their bloodline through white fucking ways of proof, and then can't access can't, can't even put their feet on their homeland for cultural celebrations, for ceremonies, for feast days. And it is worse than Negan's uh, bat to the heart. And it is so fucking painful to watch and navigate um, because it's, it's going to be true for my boys if they ever want to come home. And do they have access? They can prove descendancy, but they can't prove blood quantum enough to be considered a citizen of my actual fucking nation. Mm. Um, and it's people write about it. It's been out there. However, I will say this because I'm I'm hankering to write about it. I'm hanker. I'm, I'm wanting to make this more public. And I I say. Among my people in academic Indian country circles, this is all fucking old news. Nothing I write mm-hmm. on it could be new or more nuanced than what any of the Indian academics have already written about it. Mm-hmm. But it makes me think of a few things. And one is my dissertation advisor, Dr. Joanna Good. Um, and I say her name on purpose because she was very, very wonderful to me and supportive to me in case, you know, I doubt she listens to this, but for anyone who knows her, one of the things that she told me when I was working on my dissertation is I was, I was like, I don't know, like I, I wanted to talk about culturally relevant curriculum for since, you know, I was 16, but I just didn't know what it was called back then. Um, but people have already written it. Like I've read all the, I did the lit review. I've read all these amazing scholars who have written about it. Like there's no point in, but like the field is already saturated with this. And she goes, really? There's culturally relevant curriculum in every single classroom, K-12, all across the country. Really? Until there is, don't stop writing. Don't stop talking. Don't stop elevating. And it changed me in that moment. Mm-hmm. That's the way I'm starting to feel about the, the world that I'm in, I get access 
through my privileged education to all of these amazing articles, books, reports that are not accessible to fucking 80% of the people who need to fucking know it. And it's, it's, it's what, you know, one of our, one of our previous guests talk about, um, Jomo, Brian Sims, he talks about what does it mean to translate research into like actual usable curricular content for teachers. I'm thinking about what does it mean to translate this bullshit phenomena of blood quantum so that everyone in the fucking world knows this isn't okay to put pressure on whoever the pressure needs to come from to shift, to make it no longer okay, or just to teach people that it fucking exists. Because if not, the rest of me, my family, my friends, my whatever, are walking around bleeding from Negan's motherfucking club. Mm -hmm. And no one cares. Mm -hmm. No one fucking cares. And I'm watching this happen all around me. And not just... Not just like the identity politics and blood quantum politics, but also the like the way in which tribal councils are set up, the mm-hmm. way in which um, toxic masculinity shows up, the way in which the infighting between Pueblos and Navajos show up. I mean, just like it is, it's everywhere. And I'm telling you, my heart's just hurting. So then that's couple incidents happened that sort of pushed that to the top. And it's all that's in my head while I'm putting together, you know, bookcases and, and unpack. It just, it's sitting there swirling and um, festering. It's not swirling, it's festering. And then my dear friend Jenny was a part of this amazing report that came out and I'm going to read it. So if our listeners want to look it up, they can. And by the way, listeners, we got another amazing intern named Chris Nine who's going to help us put together some sort of a platform where you can link all the shit that we reference because Delma and I don't have the time to get that shit done, but we're hoping he can help. And so he can link this reference. But the title of this report is called How Scared Are You? Mapping the Threat Environment, excuse me, Mapping the Threat Environment of San Diego's Elected Officials. Put out by, I don't know, Violence and Equality and Power Lab, Institute for Civil Civic Engagement. University of San Diego. Anyway, the gist of this report is to talk about what can we do given the fact that elected officials are fucking fair game Hmm. to harass, to um, domestically terrorize, to like all the things. And it has all these recommendations for what needs to happen. And there's a set of eight of them. And it's, you know, increased accountability for the people that are the the perpetrators, you know, documenting and reporting it and increased protection for local officials and potential revisions to the Brown Act, increased training for whatever, do more research. And I go back to potential revisions to the Brown Act. What the fuck is the Brown Act? Amend the Brown Act to allow for a degree of private discussion and provide space for elective officials and constituents to discuss issues in less formal settings. I think, and I haven't read the fuller part, I think that's referring to um, the fact that we have to have like the public meeting laws and everything that needs to be disclosed and our inability to um, be safe having deep, important important conversations transparently that we can't. So we have to like cover the topics that we really want to talk about. We can't, we can't get to the meat because we know it's all public and we're going to be blasted and, and hazed and harassed for it. I think about what it would take to run, like to, to, to be the like steward in the fight to be done with blood quantum shit and tribes Mm -hmm. And the level of publicity that would that would come if I got a crew of people together to bring this and be the like I will fucking change I will lead this movement or join this movement as it's being led by other people who are trying to do it, and then I get this report comes out like I'm gonna be fucking killed. I'm gonna be fucking killed, and I just don't know what to do about it in my head these days. I think everyone should read this report. It's not perfect, but it's smart. Mm. And I'm not saying we shouldn't run for public office. Mm-hmm. I'm saying there's a level of I'm scared that's at a new height. 
because moving here has connected what I want to fight for almost even more deeply than it, than it's been connected before. And I don't know. And I'm not, I don't, I don't know that I need a solution. I I need my house to be put together so I can fucking avoid thinking about these things. <laughs> Cause I'm telling you, it has been churning. So it's not the cheeriest of check-ins, but that's where it is. That's where it is. In my head, it is so easy to think of an us versus them approach to justice work. And it's so easy to think about something like what went down in Montgomery and to think of the world in those very clean-cut divisions. And I think what you're raising is our so-called own communities, our so-called own spaces, the places where we're supposed to belong, present their own replication, duplication of dynamics that we face in the face of white supremacy, for instance. Yes, yes. And the consequences of addressing it head on can look exactly the same. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. There's no... There's no escape from retribution by those who seek to maintain the status quo. And they exist outside of our communities and they exist within our communities. And it's easy to forget that sometimes for me because I'm not because I am facing outward so often and I am like engaging white people around white supremacy and right. But if I were to turn inward and think about it as build to reference the butterfly that we so often do, um, the reform work often brings us in contact with folks outside of our community, specifically um, white people. The build work often calls us to turn inward. And sometimes I think build is some sort of escape mechanism from the bullshit of reform. And it's not. No, it's not. It sure as shit isn't. But it feel like it, it sometimes even implies that it is. Yeah, yeah. As though everybody's gonna bring a Bob the Builder attitude with them, and everybody's gonna automatically see what you see and want what you want yep. and help. Yep. And hell yep. no. Nah. Do you remember when you were saying like part of your body reaction to watching it is like when you're watching a. Uh, uh, someone get their comeuppance in a show that you're into and you're like mm-hmm. fingers are twitching and you're like mm-hmm. your your fists are up and you're like yeah 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 mm-hmm. right pretend you're shadow boxing that's how I feel about wanting to write about this the shit that I'm watching go down as pueblos are opening up to some people and then staying closed and saying members only mm. I'm like let me just type let me just write this let me just write this and then I get like get me back in that fucking spotlight. Mm-hmm. And they're gonna be gunning for you. That's what I'm and by they, to your point, 
it's not going to be white people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I could do it with a little bit of cowardly ease in Oregon because they weren't my nations. Mm-hmm. I can't do that with any cowardly ease here. Mm-hmm. And I know my friends in Oregon wouldn't call me a coward, but they know what I mean. Yeah, I don't know. I got to I gotta do more sense-making of it while here. And part of the discipline that I want to bring to it is the discipline you invite me to think about all the time, which is like, don't be unkind to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, we hope we cheered you up, listeners. We hope we hope you're feeling like super excited and energized about what we're about to to shift to next with that check-in. I promise next time my check-in will be unicorns, rainbows, and, you know, I don't know, dancing turtles. I don't know. Are, What's are dancing turtles nice. Um <laughs> you have to keep me in the loop. You have to keep our listeners in the loop in terms of where you decide to go with this. I think I, um, as you were talking, one thing I would say, and we can shift, um, consider anonymity. Consider um, every tool available that will allow you to express yourself and maintain your sense of distance, safety, peace, well-being. You just moved there. Like, let's let's set you up to be able to be there comfortably for at least a while. Well, I'm telling you, you and my sister Jenny have got to have this convo together because I get lax on that. Lax on? My safety. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do yeah, that. Well, um, I just got a picture of a new gun I may buy. So that's what's up. But if no one knows, (laughs) right, then that's even better. Um, And if all they have for evidence is this episode, I think we can live with that. Um, I think there's something to be said for trying to take into account all of the angles of this issue, considering the variables, what could happen. And if you know you see something coming and choose to not get ahead of it, um, mm-hmm. I, would, I wouldn't I would call that cowardly. I would call that irresponsible. Well, call, I think I'm both. <laughs> That's fair. Whatever. Yeah. Um, no, but I think, I think um, any, any general, any tactician. Yeah, um, I know would tell you there's a time to put yourself out front there's a time to to hold back there's a time to retreat there's right um well you're calling into something which i lecture people on all the time and i'm not very good at myself i think should i decide to go a route whatever route i need to apply some deeper strategy to it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah you're not wrong yeah i know i know i, I, know you I don't know do wrong. wrong i don't do wrong just transition us, asshole. When we come back, Shandine and I will spend a few minutes talking about what the season has been, what the season might be, what we hope to uncover, what we hope to highlight, what we hope to excavate, um, and what we hope you're able to gain from it um, as you join us along this journey. We'll be right back. Thank you for giving Diving Justice a listen. We recognize that your time is the most valuable currency you have. If you're digging the pod, there are a couple of things you could do to show your support. First, head over to your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. It just takes a few seconds of your time. And every review helps us grow our listenership and broadens the conversations we can have together. The second thing you can do and should do is consider supporting the podcast by visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com slash dive underscore in underscore justice. Welcome back. 
thanks for sticking with us. As Delma said, um, we're going to do a little bit of a flashback. Won't um, take too long on a little bit of a flash forward because we want you to know where we're going. So just really wanted to remind uh, our dedicated listeners and our new listeners in general what our meta theme is. We're talking about ideas around what the trade-off is, um, the trade-off that what what's it cost to do the work we want to do in the world while at the same time, you know, not trying to pretend that we're not good capitalists, whether we want to be or not. Mm-hmm. And what is that? How does that tension show up? And so, you know, we opened the season talking about contemporary Toms and discovered that while most people know about, you know, Tom from Uncle Tom's Cabin, a lot of people knew about Tom Torlino. And the fact that we had multi, uh, two Tom concepts across mm-hmm. two different uh, identity groups was was pretty interesting. And what does mm-hmm. it mean to what does it mean to tap dance? And who are we to call someone else a Tom? Mm-hmm. So that episode was pretty powerful, which led into okay, when we do or don't sell out, if you will. Um, what, what is the thing that is selling out? What is the thing that isn't? We talked about our creature comforts. We talked about what it is to want and have the right to want things, which reminds me of a conversation I had with my, with my brother, Jimmy, and my sister, Ashley, the other day. We were talking about as we move into these new, all three of us are moving into new places all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about there's some things that I can choose to do, like put together this desk and is that really worthy of my time? And Jimmy said, I just read this article that was about how BIPOC people feel like we have to do it no matter what, because we should know how to put these things together, you know, just because we know how to run a drill and a litter between a flathead and a, a Phillips screwdriver, blah, like we should, but really everyone else is fucking hiring people to do this shit. Why are we feeling the need to do that? And what is that, the pressure that we put on ourselves around quality of life and why? And where does that come from? We touched on that a little bit um, earlier. We also talked about what is what um, when you think about the privilege that some of us have via education, via gender, via class, whatever it is, what is our obligation with that privilege? How can we be an integrity to that, but also not bear the burden of all of that? depending on how we're navigating those intersections in our world. And finally, we were talking about what does that's mighty white of you mean? What does it mean to be navigating whiteness both in ourselves as we actually embody whiteness and with those around us? And what do those social movements mean? Does that mean we're a part of them or we're not a part of them as we sometimes show up white um, mm-hmm. when when we know that is a tactic or a skill to get from point A to point B, or sometimes we do and we don't know it and we fucking hate ourselves for it. Mm-hmm. And, wh- and what does that mean to let us off the hook a little bit? So for those of you, if you haven't been able to listen to any of the um, first half of this season, that's a little bit about what we were navigating toward this this theme of what does it mean to navigate these social justice, supposed social justice spaces where we're trying to make a live at this end at the same time, trying to make a living? Mm-hmm. Are those at odds? Mm-hmm. Delma, what did I miss? What did I miss on our highlights from what we've covered? No, that was good. That, that was that was it. Um, each one of those uh, episodes were kind of building off of one another, right? Supporting one another. Um, Coming back to, like you said, that meta theme of what is that trade-off? What does it mean to, yeah, be a good capitalist while trying to dismantle capitalism or aspects of capitalism? Um, And part of that too, right? What, What gets dismantled in us? as we're attempting to engage with this, right? What aspects of ourselves do we end up shutting down, suppressing, ignoring, 
um, disembodying even in order to participate in this work. Um, And back to something we were saying in the check-ins, it's, I always think of that in terms of the reform work. Um, But there are aspects of these choices, these decisions and these challenges that will show up even if I'm focused specifically on my own community and building something new. Um, And that's because there is no escape hatch from the very systems we're looking to dismantle and you'll run into them wherever you are. And so in the season ahead, um, Shandine and I are going to start inviting guests to join us in this conversation. We spent the first half of of this season in a one-on-one space. And now for the second half of the season, we want to invite our guests to, to join us in this conversation. All of our guests are folks who, for one reason or another, have had to ask themselves a lot of these same questions. Um, some of them have led or continue to lead organizations. Some of them are entrepreneurs. Uh, some of them work in institutions of higher education. So whether they work for themselves or work as a part of a larger, predominantly white institution, whether they identify as white or BIPOC, regardless, they're having to encounter some of these very themes, these very questions. And so we wanted to invite them to join us and be a part of this conversation. Um, Shandine and I never pretended to have all the answers or any for that matter. Um, but we just wanted you sometimes, to Sometimes you pretend. Every now and then you're like, I know it all. Well, I mean, if I if I go there, it's because I do. Let's oh, got be clear. it. Got it. All right. All don't, right. Don't but in this me. context, we don't. We don't. So thank, no, absolutely thank not. God we're inviting in our friends and our thought <laughs> partners to motherfucking save our asses because Seriously. we're just fumbling here. No, we, we, we really are. Looking for that light switched. We really are. And we'll continue to do so um, just with another person joining us. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because I think if any of our guests had figured this out, shit, we wouldn't need to be having this conversation anymore, would we? Um, so, yeah, we're definitely not bringing on any experts in, in how to get out of this, but definitely people who are passionate about their work, passionate about thinking about what it means to be um, tangled up in all of this foolishness um, that is trying to make a living and do good work in the world. Um I am really excited to bring these folks into the conversation. Um, We've cultivated guests from across a variety of professional backgrounds, like I said, right? Uh, Gender identities and the whole nine yards, generational differences, you know. Um, Did you just call one of our guests old in that moment or young out of curiosity? Neither. Okay. Generational differences. Yeah, 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 yeah. Different from what? One another. <laughs> Backpedal some more. <laughs> I'm not backpedal. Look, we got some old heads and we got some young heads coming to join us. Thank you. Okay. Just say name it. Can I just move can on. I do my thing? I don't recall do jumping in when you were do your thing. doing your do your recap. Thing. Do your you thing. Know? Just mm. you know, land the plane. <laughs> <laughs> Stick the land. <laughs> Um, I am, um, excited to bring these folks into the conversation. I don't promise answers, but I think the conversations themselves would be enlightening. And hopefully you hear as a listener, some aspects of your own thinking, um, reflected back to you as well as, um, ways of thinking about this that maybe you hadn't considered. Um, that certainly is typically the case for me at least when we engage with our guests in these conversations um i can't believe we're already halfway through the season um but i'm really excited for the second half so there's that um one more thing i gotta name and then we'll close up unless you got something else 
Shandine. But... Is this where you're apologizing for the fact that we didn't get our shit together and we missed an episode? I was. Uh, this is the moment where I was going to offer you space to apologize uh, for throwing off our whole season with your shenanigans. But I can see now you're not about that life, so I'm going to just skip over that. I want to ask you real quick. Have you seen the Barbie movie? No. I'd be interested For a to reason. hear your thoughts on that movie. Should you nor nor it? nor have I seen Oppenheimer because you know mm-hmm. they ignored all, all of you know my people's uh, perspective and the impact of the fact that we're fucking dying from cancer because of that bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, here's my sh- you know why I wouldn't want to go see the Barbie movie, just in general. I mean, I could guess, but I'm not. Yes, sure. no, you're right. Your guess is right. And now that everybody in the world is telling me to watch the Barbie movie, yeah, my Scorpioness is preventing you. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, just so we're clear about why I haven't seen <clears throat> Barbie. I want yet. so I went. Rita and I went to go see it, and um, it. Is not a revolutionary film by no means. It is Hollywood, and it does what Hollywood does. However, it does feel like it offers some important commentary that set off a lot of white men on the right. Like your boy Ben Shapiro made like a 43-minute video where he opens up (laughs) by setting Barbie dolls on fire Anytime <laughs> a cultural phenomena or product induces that sort of reaction or reactivity, I think it's always worth engaging, if for no other reason than that, to be honest with you. So um, the idea of I mean, that you there's know an me pretty on... well. Um, you know me pretty well. Mm-hmm. Am I going to be like, am I going to be annoyed about the general shit that I'm normally annoyed with? Yes. Yes, you will. Um, I still think you should watch it. You're like that tenth person who I actually care about their opinion that's been saying that. So I'm Yeah, like it. it's it's two hours of your life. You won't get it back. You won't get the two hours back. I don't think you'll feel like it was a complete waste of your your time either. All right. I, I will make a commitment to my listeners right now mm-hmm. that I will watch it between mm-hmm. today's recording and our next recording. Bet it up. Is it still that. in the theaters? Should yeah. be. It's do, okay. it's doing well in the box office, so that usually gets it a longer shelf a life. A couple more weeks, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we'll see, but yeah, um, I, I do think it's worth checking out. I'm really interested in talking to you once you've seen it. There's no internet intersectional lens. Wait, so stop there. Don't tell me anymore. Let's just go. Yeah, that. yeah. I'm not going to tell you nothing yeah. else, but I needed you to know that. Got it. Uh, so don't go in expecting. So be angry about that going in. Going in. <laughs> Instead just with of that going in and then suddenly being. Got it. Yeah, got yeah, it. Yeah. 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 If you can. No, I'll wield that self-righteous attitude <clears throat> upon entering. Yeah. 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 Okay. For sure. Um, but yeah, I, I would love to revisit that with you. Um, is there anything else at the top of your your mind before we give our listeners their time back? No, I'm just really excited to think about what our upcoming guests can bring to this conversation. It's one thing for you and I to be turning on it, on this theme that we've been running at. Mm-hmm. It's another thing altogether to learn alongside, inform, and be informed by people who we know and respect mm-hmm. are navigating the same space. Mm-hmm. And so I'm pretty excited to think about what it can yield. Me too. Me too. All right. So given that we kind of got off track a bit, scheduling wise, releasing the pod wise, um, this time around, our goal listeners is to actually do uh, two weeks in a row. Um, So we're looking to release this week and we'll be looking to release another episode the following week. It feels like a heavy lift. We'll see what we can do. But uh, we feel like we owe ourselves and our listeners that much. So this is typically a bi-weekly show, but we're going to try to churn out a couple weeks worth of content in a row to compensate for our 
or rather Shandine's uh, fuckery uh, in the previous weeks. You see what I did there? Mm. You see they see did? through you. They see through you. And they're team oh, Shandine. Oh, well, I mean, they're just team Shandine, so they're going to, you know, yeah, they're going like to roll regardless. percent of the listeners, but. I know you lie. No, you lie. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. But I will say no one bothers to ask where the show is on my end. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't get nary a a question. 